Hello and welcome to Argue the Toss at GameIndustry.com. I'm Shella. And I'm Drew. And together we're arguing about the things that really matter in games and films and stuff. We are indeed. And this is Season 5, Episode 2. Cool. Yeah, I remembered that one. Yeah, it's I, easy I usually to have remember. no idea which episode it is, but we've only done one this year. So. Exactly. <laughs> I always ask you, I was like, what episode is it? And you're like, no idea. <laughs> yeah. um, so, so, today, games, films, or stuff? It's the, kind of all three. It really is. <laughs> yeah. It, we're going to be talking about uh, Black Mirror Bandersnatch, which uh, you must have heard of by now if you've been on the internet or on social media at any point in the last kind of month or so. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's Netflix's new attempt at interact. Well, it's not their first attempt at interactive stuff. I think you can play Minecraft story mode, the Telltale mm-hmm. game in Netflix. But this is the first time they've um, kind of made a bit of original content as an interactive uh, film, mm-hmm. which is written by Charlie Brooker, who... Obviously, it's a showrunner and writer for Black Mirror. And, yeah, we've both played it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, it, yeah, so it's kind of a game, and it's a film, and it obviously qualifies as stuff. Mm, uh, yeah. So, yeah, we're fu- fully doing the brief today. Mm, tricky one for uh, um, charades. Yeah, yeah, that, that is pretty <laughs> good, yeah. Oh, I'm going to have to put that away for next Christmas. <laughs> yeah. So, um... Yeah, so I don't know how familiar people in the US are with Black Mirror. Um, I mean, I think since it moved to Netflix, it's been uh, yeah. There's so, there's certainly a lot of kind of Americans talking about it on in my Twitter bubble. Okay, that's interesting. Yeah, because Black Mirror has been around for a, a long time mm. um, in the UK, and I suppose he he's brought in American actors like John Hamm's been in stuff mm. and things like that, which I guess helps with um, garnering that attention yeah. over there. So yeah, so we don't need to explain the premise of Black Mirror then, perhaps. No, <laughs> no perhaps not. Um, to... Yeah, um, but yeah, Ch- and Charlie Brooker's. Uh, very dark brand of uh, satirical sort of social commentary. <laughs> yeah, very bleak uh, and... Yeah, very, yeah. yeah. Uh, in the UK, he uh, quite often... He didn't this year, I think, because of Netflix. Yeah. Um, he, but he usually does a roundup of the year, um, which is hilarious because it's just so bleak. <laughs> yeah. I, th- I think it's kind of been a couple of years since he since he did one of those. Yeah, it was fr- the best. From the White series in a while. Yeah, it was the best thing about New Year was Charlie yeah. Brooker's um, sort of screen wipe look at look back at the year, which was just sort of looks at all the sort of celebrity stuff and political stuff and just has this his his bleak uh uh look at the whole year and it's usually hilarious um but mm. obviously bandersnatch um black mirror has taken over is obviously a, a bit more work than it used to be mm-hmm. churning these out for netflix but anyway digress massively so we watched it um do you or want did to we play it Oh, exactly. Yeah. We did both. Makes we both think. watched and interacted with it. We did. Um, do you want to do a sort of roundup of the the story? Um, it is? <laughs> no, I don't, because it's very complex. And 
It, yeah, no, so it's, it's, well, all right, so, so we can talk about the premise, like, it, it's, we're gonna have to get into the kind of details of the story later. Um, so basically, I, I want to refer to him as a play, your player character, but he's not really. He, uh, you, you are watching this guy who is a game developer in the, uh, British 1980s kind of game development scene, and there's lots of references to that effect because, um, well, Charlie Brooker used to be a games journalist back when these games were coming out, so there's references to like Manic Miner and Pitfall and stuff like that scattered throughout, um, and Jet Set Willy and all, all sorts. Um, so you play one of these game developers who is adapting a. No, you don't play him. Sorry, I did it again. So. <laughs> Your the character that you are watching. Oh god, I've I've, I've gone too deep. I've gone native. I know <laughs> you've lost it. Yeah, he's lost to us. Yeah, yeah, so you're basically an omniscient uh, sort of controller of you know various yeah. parts of the story. So as the omniscient viewer, you're watching this game developer who's it's a bit almost ready player one in that um this character i can't remember his name what, do we have a name for him uh, do we have a name? Oh. colin is the um is the sort of he's like the the rock star um game developer um of of the piece and then there's the protagonist character who is um an up-and-coming developer who's obsessed yeah. with this book called Bandersnatch which is choose your own adventure mm. and he wants to um adapt that into a sort of 3D sort of doom-esque style um because everyone's still sort of on 2D as far as I could see all of Colin's yeah. games were 2D but he's going 3D um doom style um mm adaptation of this choose your own adventure book which is massive it's the biggest choose your own adventure book i've ever seen in my life yeah. <laughs> i mean it's like june the choose your own adventure book yes it's so big yeah it's really <laughs> yeah which just kind of filled me with horror kind of. <laughs> um just looking at the size of that book um and yeah so that's the basic premises he's a young game developer he goes to pitch his game um at you know rockstar collins um publishers and they're like uh yeah cool let's let's do it um well at least in one of yeah in all of the scenarios they kind of like that um and they sort of and then at certain points the first point it would well it's not the first point but the first major pinch point is yeah. whether you uh, you choose to accept their offer or reject it, um, and then it goes on from on from there. Really, yeah. it, it kind of uses that as um, a tutorial point. In that, like, it's a it's a choice which has a very obvious yet uh, correct answer. Like, mm -hmm. obviously, you want to accept that offer. It seems mm -hmm. like you know that that's what you're here to do. Mm -hmm. But then you're told pretty much immediately, okay, that's what happens then what what happens if you choose that is that Stefan Stefan is the main character yeah. name, which we, well done. we were looking at. Um yeah, sorry. You probably heard me looking it up. Um I didn't. Yeah. You okay, got away enough. with that one. <laughs> well there we are. Um uh sorry, I forgot where I was. So if you choose that choice, Stefan um basically his game gets overtaken and stripped out, stripped back and kind of corporatized to make it easier and more palatable and uh you get a 
a bad review at the end, and one of the characters explicitly says that you chose the wrong path, mm-hmm. and then it rewinds you to kind of the the beginning, and you get to go through it again and take the other option. So rather than it being a real choice, it that's the moment at which the the it kind of shows you what this is going to be like mechanically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is an interesting way of doing it. Yeah. Yeah. And then... Um, and then everything yeah, sort of spirals out of control. <laughs> it is. And then... Um, yeah, so, I mean, I'd, we kind of said before we started the show that we were going to do... have Yeah, I suppose before we get into whether that works or not and how it works, I guess we'll have a look at the setting and the characters and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so this Stefan, um, who's who's kind of great as this really uh, tightly wound um, young developer yeah. who has mental existing mental health issues, mm. um, which kind of plays into the. Um, I suppose sort of semi-noirish it was sort of psychological thriller um, aspect of it which is you know sort of uh, disorienting you as to whether it's in his head or you know what's going on, this sort of conspiracy theory and sort of uh, sense of paranoia I suppose um, because he's on medication and he's seeing um a psychiatrist and things like that so we're never quite sure of um, what his reality really is Um, but he does a really good job at that kind of nervy I mean I empathised with him Mm -hmm. um, and stuff like that Um, and then there's Colin the rock star (laughs) yes Uh, yeah I didn't really like that much um, I think it's just because he sounded like Richard Ayadi from um, um, uh, Garth Marenghi's Dark Dark Place. Oh, All right. I could think is like, um, my ass is grass, and they've got a lawnmower. <laughs> That's all that kept going through uh, my head yeah. when I heard now him that talking. Now that you've repeated that line, I, yeah, I can absolutely hear that. I didn't kind of notice it at the time, <laughs> but yeah, he's got that very strange. Emphasis, emphasis on 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 different words. Yeah, sort of like weird nasal talk like this, and I was just yeah. like, "What is he doing?" Because I know that actor from other things. So I was like, "Well, that's a strange choice, but okay." Uh, fair enough. So <laughs> I I hadn't seen him in anything else, so I was I just accepted that as whatever the actor's uh, will pull to whatever his normal accent was. I've never heard oh, him in anything else. Oh no! And, yeah. yeah, and I like I thought he was really good. I thought it was a really kind of interesting and intense performance. Mm. Like whenever he's on screen he is the center of attention i think he's he's really good at that and partly that is that you know in the context of bandersnatch he is the rock star and he is the expert and he he kind of is positioned as like the shaman who it mm-hmm. is hinted at that he knows kind of what's going on yeah he's and, a bit of a yeah. white rabbit character isn't he yes exactly yeah uh, and he's got like bleach blonde hat like white but, blonde hair yeah like I mean, seeing as this is Bandersnatch and it's it's you know Lewis Carroll references, I imagine that's you know very direct. Yeah. Kind of because like, he is the one who eventually leads Stefan down a specific rabbit, rabbit hole. Rabbit hole, yeah. 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 Hadn't picked up on that. Yeah. No, I hadn't either. Literary references. They're yeah. great. Yeah. 
Um, but yeah, I mean, I didn't dislike him kind of, thing, but I just, I just felt that very conscious uh, sort of speech choice just kind of pulled me out a little bit. But I mm. like that actor and all the other things I've seen him in. He is always really good. Um, and he was sort of compelling and um, the things he was supposed to be. Um, yeah. And then, I mean, that's pretty much it for the 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 other characters are just kind of side. There's the 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 sort of angry dad. <laughs> yeah, I I kind of liked him. I think he was a bit deeper than he originally appeared because he's kind of set up as this character who doesn't understand Stefan mm-hmm. and is disapproving. And but like what what in some of the endings you see that he is like actually pretty supportive. Like when the yeah. game comes out and it does badly, he's there to comfort Stefan, and he rather than just being this um, kind of, oh, what's the word I'm looking for, just unapproachable, distant figure. Mm-hmm. He he does care about Stefan's mental issues, and he has, like, it's yeah. demonstrated that he has evolved from uh, a previous kind of timeline, which we see of his character, where he's he is the much more stern and unapproachable father when we see Stefan as a child. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that he he does have a surprising yeah. amount of kind of development in for what he is. Yeah, I suppose that's true. Um, and then the only other person really is that. Well, I suppose there's the uh, the publisher who's just like a sort of oh, yeah. a loud, sweaty, like after the money <laughs> yeah. kind of guys. So, yeah, sort of this pastiche of the corporate. Uh, side of games, I yeah. suppose. Like, um, yeah, he he just doesn't understand what's being gone for. Like so people tell him, "Oh, this this is what this game done, does," and he's just like, "Cool." Yeah, but, yeah, <laughs> yeah. He and he's no like, "We need it out by Christmas." Yeah, <laughs> and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, he's that and does that. And then there's the doctor who yes. um, is just is just everything you expect her to be in that role the sort of like questioning gently questioning and like leading us down different paths and then um and then yeah some of the endings and branches give her a bit more to do as well Mm. um yeah and so yeah depending on which path you go down um she does different things. <laughs> yeah, them are quite uh, surprising, and yeah, yeah she she never really gets fleshed out as like no. she she never has a deep part of the narrative. All of the endings that she has are kind of throwaway side on things, which get they're all kind of silly, or they're at least kind of metaphysical. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they, they, there's no there's there's no plot line in which she plays an interesting role in Stefan's story. No, which you could think she could have considering, you know, she's got sort of mm. she can prescribe him drugs and things. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> she's in a position of quite a lot of power. Mm. Um well, I mean, she I could get... be. Sorry, go on. No, that's it. That I'd finished. Okay. I guess the role that she inhabits is kind of so it's sort of the antithesis to Colin. Colin seems aware that there are greater things in the universe of Bandersnatch yeah. and that the, the realities are not what we see. She approaches the... She's investigative and she explains things, but she does it from a viewpoint which is firmly stuck within the timeline that she's... Yeah. That, that you're kind of going down. So she's the viewpoint from the inside where 
uh, Colin is the viewpoint. I guess he's from the inside looking out, and she's from the inside looking in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's yeah, she's just the sort of. I guess she's kind of the Scully, the kind of. The, yeah, she is. You know, sort of like grounded in that reality and no other. Um, but like oddly, the way she's played, you you get the sense that there's something more to her. She, she yeah, she's very suspicious. She doesn't. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I wonder if I haven't seen one of the paths and there's something that fleshes out her character a bit more because it seems like there are notes there that are not kind of played through to their conclusion. Yeah, maybe. I just don't know. No, we just don't know. (laughs) We don't. And so I suppose the setting is the... That's all the characters, isn't it, really? Apart from, like, very minor. There was Kitty, the the girlfriend, the random girlfriend with the baby. Mm Mm-hmm. And, then, and there is the guy who gets um, Tucker, uh, like, a, he gets, like, a curly-whirly and a... Oh, yeah, yeah. Only for him at the beginning. Oh, yeah, he, he turns He was my favourite character. <laughs> gets him a lion bar. With yeah, a really, that's it. <laughs> really old rapper. I don't even remember that rapper of lion yeah. bar. Um, yeah. Well, so, that, that sort of does lead us on to something that we wanted to talk about, is, um, like, how well does this... Um, does this portray Britain in the 80s Um, yeah I mean I think it does a really good job Um, it's basically um, compared to Stranger Things 80s which is the 80s of adverts and Mm -hmm. sort of music videos and uh, you know sort of John Hughes films the 80s that didn't really exist that we all kind of aspired to Mm -hmm. Um, that's like toy advert 80s where all the kids have the cool things and everyone's got the most fashionable clothes and all their hair looks good and they're not still wearing things from the 70s which is actually what the 80s was like (laughs) people just trying to wear out their 70s clothes as quickly as possible so their mum will buy them something new um so as bandersnatch gets the 80s i just well 80s britain just like bang on um yeah that sort of just like grub it wasn't like shiny and neon (laughs) Mm. Uh, it wasn't like a duran duran video it was like that it was grubby and concrete and um yeah the brightest thing was wh smith's because it was orange (laughs) (laughs) and um yeah it was really cool seeing um that old uh, W.H. Smith. So I was just like, is that really... Yeah, there weren't any books in it. It was just full of... It was just music and... Yeah, it just had a huge vinyl section. This <laughs> yeah. is like vinyl and video games. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I thought they did a really good job of that. And then the clothes that the Doctor wore, she was um, sort of fairly, you know, sort of stylish without yeah. being, you know, like something out of a catalogue, you know, sort of. Yeah. Um, which is what the Stranger Things always does, is like, it's the most 80s, like more yeah. 80s than but... the 80s has ever been. Whereas, you know, she was just like, it was, yeah, it was just really uh, well observed um, mm. in terms of costumes and settings. And yeah, and they had lots of adverts in the back for weird stuff I'd forgotten. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, which music did you choose? Uh, Thompson Twins. 
Yeah, me too. So I wonder yeah. what was on the now this. That would be interesting. Uh, well, uh, I I actually went back and um, watched it uh, with someone else. I, I watched okay. someone else play through it just to yeah. see how how their experience different differed from mine. And uh, she chose the now tape, and I, I like I can't remember what was on it. It, uh, was, it was just eighties music, you know. Okay, yeah. yeah. And, and then then did you get you... A, sorry, uh, sorry, I was going to interrupt, but yeah. oh, sorry. <laughs> I was just going to say, did you choose Tangerine Dream or the other I, one? Uh, I did choose Tangerine Dream. The other one oh, okay. was Phaedra, wasn't it? Or, or, or is, no, Phaedra is a Tangerine Dream album. I the, don't know. Yeah, I didn't know the other one, but it had a really cool cover. I know Tangerine Dream, so I was like, I'll listen to these. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I like I know Tangerine Dream from the film Sorcerer, which they did the soundtrack for, and that's about it. So I Oh, okay. So I selected them. Okay, yeah, I was like, well, I know what they sound like, I know them, so, um, yeah, I selected the other one, um, mm. which is cool. Yeah. But, yeah, I liked those two moments. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah, I liked the choice of music as well was, yeah, because it wasn't, like, the most 80s things, no. It, w- but it was still very set in that time, it was cool. Yeah. Um, the, the 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 main thing that this has over Stranger Things is that in all of those stylistic choices, it shows some restraint, right? Moderation, which is the <laughs> thing that Stranger Things has no idea no, about. No, exactly. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think they did a really great job with with the setting. Um, yeah. So I guess we should get onto the kind of mechanic and the uh, yeah the interactive bit. Yeah. Um. Yeah, so it's basically um, a simple sort of A, B choices. So you have like a sort of binary choice. Mm-hmm. Um, one of and so there's always one is kind of pre-selected. <clears throat> so I guess you can um, just not interact with it and yeah. sit and let it do the defaults for you. They are randomly pre-selected, I think. Um, the, okay. The, there isn't a default because I I definitely remember watching it with uh, with a friend and uh, sh- her choices were highlighted differently to the way I remember them. Oh, okay. Yeah. I mean, that's yeah, entirely yeah. possible. But um, yeah. Well, the default at that moment, whatever it's yeah, yeah decided at that moment. Um. So uh, yeah, and you have like ten seconds to decide your choice. Um. And, yeah, it starts with which cereal would you like for breakfast? Frosties or sugar puffs? <laughs> and apparently apparently they did some stats of, like, the UK viewers um, yeah. versus kind of rest of the world. And apparently in the UK, um, hardly anybody threw their tea. as <laughs> an oh, right, option yeah. at some point to throw yeah. your tea over the computer. Yeah, well, there's it's, an, just, it's just There's not a done, couple of it? tea-throwing moments. <laughs> yeah. And in the UK... We do not throw tea. <laughs> yeah. So I thought that was quite funny. And we chose um, Frosties over Sugar Puffs. Um, I haven't seen this. I'm, you're going to have to link me to this because I'm really interested in like kind of the mechanics of this game. And, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so I thought that was funny. But I was mainly... Like, but then I might short my computer if I throw tea over it. I wasn't saving yeah. the tea, I was saving the computer. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so the game was written in Twine, 
um, mm. which I'm guessing most pe- most of our listeners will probably know. But it's um, yeah, it's a, a tool for writing interactive fiction yes. um, that's been around. It's very well established. Um, so yeah, so Black Mirror is basically a twine game with a fancy sort of like film wallpaper on the top of it um so yeah i guess you could like strip it back completely and just play it as a text adventure um and yeah so we were talking about it before how the criticisms have been divided um Mm. into several camps so there's like the the camps of people who are in the industry like particularly people who who writes games and interactive fiction um and or write about games or are familiar with interactive fiction um and then there's people who whose minds have been blown yeah. <laughs> who just like this is just incredible i'm like controlling the tv so there's that those two sort of levels of react different reactions um and so some people saying oh well this is nothing new this is just you know a twine game um on tv um kind of cool but whatever and then you were talking about the differences in responses amongst uh the interactive fiction community yeah like it seems to have divided that community down the middle a a bit as well i mean there's what there's one side which is sort of okay this is nothing that hasn't been done before it's not necessarily a particularly great twine game uh, mm. if if you strip away the extra stuff that's added on top uh, because it ends up being rather than tell rather than using the format to tell an interesting and continuous story mm-hmm. it it starts investigating you know the illusion of choice and mm-hmm. what is choice actually in a in a game like this which mm-hmm. is something that has been done before infinite times in kind of the history of of interact, interactive fiction and like the Stanley Parable kind of goes into the same issues mm-hmm. and I think does it quite a lot better. Much better, yeah. Yeah, and then there is the other side which is like, well, okay, okay fine, but this is how the art form gets advanced. Like, up until now, you know, you, nobody kind of knew about like Twine games and interactive fiction beyond, you know, the community that's already into them. Beyond it's not us, public. Yeah. yeah, exactly. It's not publicly kind of in the limelight, but now it is because Bandersnatch was in the news everywhere. Like people yeah. went kind of nuts for it. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, there's there seems to be a divide on whether this is a good thing or a bad thing, and I don't think it's as clear cut as that. But you can certainly kind of see both sides. Yeah, yeah. I mean, basically. <coughs> I think it's cool that Netflix has done an interactive fiction experience that, you know, everybody... So, I mean, because before it would be... You know, when you I describe my job, for instance, like writing games or describe my game, you know, Windrush Tales, which is, you know, illustrative interactive Mm. fiction, I'd maybe struggle to describe it to someone who doesn't play that sort of thing and say, well, do you remember Choose Your Own Adventure books? Um, And now people would probably say, oh, do you mean like Bandersnatch? Um, So it can become that sort of shorthand for a wider audience, which is kind of cool. Um, But then, yeah, I understand the sort of... uh, you know the sort of chagrin of the community that's you know we've been we've done this is so done um it's not 
good interactive fiction. It's going over really old ground and it's preoccupied with the mechanic and being clever rather than like telling a good story. So, um, yeah, because it is both of those things. Um, But then that's kind of often the way when something um, reaches a mass audience is... Mm it's not always the, the, the best example of that um, uh, that medium no. or but genre or whatever. Now the system is in place, you can imagine that net and given how popular Bandersnatch has mm. been, you can imagine that Netflix are going to be looking for other, uh, you know, other writers to come in and have a go at this. So th- there's like a lot of chance that we'll see something that uses the same mechanics, but does something a bit more kind mm. of satisfying at the end of it. Mm. Well, and, Sam Sam Barlow of her story, he's mm-hmm. um, do, he's currently doing something like uh, okay. film based. Um, so yeah, I mean, I have put a lot more faith. I mean, Charlie Brooker is a great writer, and Black Mirror has been consistently, you know, like brilliant. Yeah. Which I think is partly why Bandersnatch is sort of disappointing mm-hmm. um, because it's neither a good. Black Mirror episode, nor a, a a good interactive example of interactive fiction, but um, yeah, I think Sam Barlow, who you know did her story, which used sort of film footage clips and yeah. um, did interesting things with you know sort of splicing the narrative up. I can imagine that he'll do something really exciting, which will be cool. And I like the fact that Black Mirror has now set up an audience for that, which might mm-hmm. not have been there otherwise, because lots of people who watch Netflix have no idea who Sam Barlow is and has certainly never played her story. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. They've they've used star power to build a, a massive audience where one wouldn't yeah. otherwise exist. Exactly. Uh, and, you know, I can imagine that uh, like Twine itself has seen, must have seen kind of a pickup in new users since Spanish. Yeah, came that out. would be cool. Yeah. yeah, that would be good as well. Um, yeah, so I think it's like it's a cool and exciting thing. Um, mm. You know, I don't think we need to get precious about it or or feel sort of. Um, yeah, like all the hard work that's been done already is being devalued in any way. I think it's just cool if more people know what we're doing and um, and want to have a go. I think that's cool. Yeah. So. <laughs> so, what's been such any, like? So, what? Yes. What did? Why? Why do we think that it isn't a great example of interactive fiction? Well. Uh... I mean, I already mentioned the sort of the idea that rather than telling a satisfying story, it opts to explore the concept of choice, which is mm-hmm. a kind of like it's kind of heavy for something you just. I mean, it's Black Mirror, so you're expecting something kind of philosophically interesting, but it's it's in games and in interactive fiction, it's it's well worn ground. So I don't think it brings anything particularly new to the table. Mm-hmm. It's also kind of limited by having to film the scenes that it that it has. Mm-hmm. So, for example, in a Telltale game which uses you know a very similar kind of choice system, the game the game is not filmed, so it can react to any choice any kind of way it likes. It can introduce much more variation. With this, you you become aware very quickly that you're just watching a lot of pre-filmed segments and that yeah. your choices don't really have 
much of an impact on you know what you're going to see. Um, yeah, there's that little delay after you've made a choice. Yeah, which just is you can hear the machinery. <laughs> yes, you can. You can see the strings. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, and the story just—it's not. I mean, you don't feel because as a as an interactive fiction, it doesn't work because he doesn't really have. There isn't really a goal, so no. your choices don't really carry any weight because you don't know what you're trying to achieve. Yeah. Because at first, I was like, "So, am I trying to ensure that his game is successful?" Yeah. And then I was like, oh, am I trying to stay alive? <laughs> oh, now I'm trying to not kill my dad. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I know that some, partly that's the point because yes. he's playing with choice and all this sort of thing. But ultimately that's kind of just, um, <laughs> you're just kind of boring, like in a narrative. Um, yeah from a narrative perspective because that's ultimately what we want is we're here for a story yeah. um and by like le- it it kind of leaves the story to the player because it gives you these choices and whichever whichever choice you choose it the narrative you're not making choices that kind of affect the narrative you're making choices that diverge the narrative entirely the narrative itself is centered on the choices so you're not working within the framework of a story you're just giving free reign to kind of branch out into whatever nonsense you want to do Mm -hmm. and because of that none of the endings feel satisfying it doesn't feel like you've achieved a goal because there isn't a goal there isn't a through line right exactly i mean the ending i liked the best was I mean I didn't get all of the endings because you were saying the one that you felt was the most satisfying um, was one I didn't see um, that right. I only read about afterwards. Ah. So the one I found that that I liked and I was like, you know what, I could stop now, um, but it gave me the choice to watch the credits or go back. So I went back because I knew we were doing the show and I wanted to see more of um, what was going on, mm-hmm. um, and that was the one where I got the the. I put toy as the code into the thing and I got the rabbit and he gets the train with his mother and, um, and then he dies in the doctor's, um, uh, not surgery, but in the doctor's office. And I was like, Oh, that's a really cool ending. Mm. Um, cause we'd leave him on the train as a little boy with his mum, And I'm like, Oh, I wonder if the train now doesn't crash or what's going to happen. Yeah. And then I wasn't expecting the ending that I did get. And I thought it was really cool. And it was kind of satisfying. Yeah. Kind of. I'd forgotten that one. And it is a really kind of interesting ending. Yeah. 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 I thought it was cool. Mm. Um, because it also does that thing. Um, you know, the sort of, uh, sort of the obsession with, um, sort of dying in games and, you know, that you don't kill off your, I know he's not a player character really, but he is our protagonist, but he dies. And so that's as game over as he he can get really. That's, you know, it's like a complete permadeath on that one. Um, but obviously not because I got to go back. Um, but yeah, I thought it was really satisfying and worked kind of thematically and with the character because, you know, he, uh, he found life tough and, um, 
he was up, you know, that was a, a, a clinch point for him, sort of emotionally was losing his mother and feeling like it was his fault and so being able to go back and um, undo that, even if it meant that he died he, you know yeah. he was happy in that moment as a little boy then his dad was kind to him he went on the train with his mother and then that was it so i yeah. found that really satisfying mm. uh, and just just to to go back to the lewis carroll uh, metaphor uh, so he goes after it like is it a white rabbit the toy that he has yes it is yeah. and he goes through a looking glass Oh, that's right. He yeah. does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. Just, how did I not notice these at the time? Like, they're still kind of. I, yeah, blatant. I suppose once you tie into the Alice in Wonderland thing, yeah. which I didn't at all, which is weird considering it was Cold my favourite book yeah. as a child, oh. the book I read most. <laughs> well, yeah. Yeah, I could read both of those in a day, <laughs> pack to pack. I've never read either of them, but uh, oh, really? No. They are brilliant. I'll just watch mm. the t- Tim Burton ones. They're probably good enough, right? Um, <laughs> 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 I can. I heard you recoil. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Nice so, any other those. kind of cool moments? Any, anything uh, that you really enjoyed it in? I really liked the um, the these. The, the visual effects they used for when they were taking the trip yeah um yeah they were they, they were really cool and um it just made me feel like they were done or directed by someone who knew what that experience was mm. like it didn't feel like movie movie acid trip no it, which, it didn't start swirling the camera around and yeah and all that sort of thing and, and yeah. yeah exactly just getting sweaty and like yeah falling over um yeah it was just like a really cool effect when there was that painting of roses on the wall mm. and they just did this really beautiful kind of marbling effect and stuff and when he's had like lights tracing off the ends of his fingers and stuff um yeah, yeah it was like it, the whole room didn't start swirling. It's just when he looked at certain things, they did something. I just thought it was like a really cool, like really kind of restrained and sort of subtle effects. Mm. Um, when they could have gone like, we're on an acid trip. Yeah. Um, and then the thing when Colin took his glasses off and his eyeballs kind of like, oh, kind yeah, of like that was so drooped. Creepy. Yeah, it's just so cool though. It's such a yeah, it's such a good effect. Yeah. Um yeah. It was good. Uh yeah, so I really enjoyed that. <laughs> yeah. I thought it was cool that in like in that scene so that scene kind of ends with Colin taking you out on the balcony and saying, Okay, uh, there are yeah. millions of different timelines and like it's not clear whether he knows or whether he's just on drugs. Um <laughs> uh, and what so one of us is going over the balcony right now. Yeah. And you, like, first time I did it, I thought, right, okay, I'm going to do it, see what happens. Yeah, me too. Yeah, and you kind of restart and come back up to the same thing. You, it, mercifully, the game lets you fast forward through all the, all the stuff that you've already chosen to get back to that point. Yeah. Um, so did you get him to jump? Because I never got back to there. Okay, so if you get him to jump, mm-hmm. he kind of disappears from the game. Like, oh, it, it's really interesting. Like, even, I th- I'm not sure whether it works across timelines. I got the sense that it did, but he doesn't show up again until kind of quite late when um, 
when um, what's her name the um, the girlfriend Kitty Kitty that was it um, she comes back looking for him and she goes um, well where is he and you're like I don't know but you kind of do know because it happened in a different timeline uh, okay it's, yeah. it's a very confusing moment because you're like did that happen uh, okay yeah. so that's kind of good that's kind of nice yeah 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 oh so um so did you say the ending that you thought was the kind of main ending we were trying to determine yeah the the, the one that i thought were had most claim on being a, a main ending was it it's like it feels more like a main ending because it starts intercutting with like credits uh, even it, it's not one of those things okay. where you get to an end point and you can choose to view the credits or go back. It's right. showing you the credits while it's uh, doing this. And basically it's um, the daughter of Colin Rickman, the game developer, is it's showing her in an interview in the present day uh, talking about how she's working on Bandersnatch for Netflix. Which <laughs> is, like, it's a bit insufferably metaphysical, I think. Right. But, uh, like, it's the, it's the ending that most... Like, it's the most satisfying ending that you get, I think, because the th- the theme of the, the whole thing is that he's um, making Bandersnatch to uh, recreate a choose-your-own-adventure uh, book, which it's hinted that it drove its creator insane. And then he... Like, in this ending, he gets driven insane as well, and then she is doing it on Netflix, and it hints that she's starting to see the kind of choice symbol as well, mm-hmm. and she's having the same things happen to her. It's yeah. a Yeah, it's a bit wanky, but it is the one that, like, kind of continues the theme from beginning to end. Yes, that's true, as opposed to the one that's just satisfying for him as a character yeah. um, on the train as a child. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Because, as I recall, that one just cuts to, do you want to go back or do you want to watch the credits now? Rather than, you know. Oh, yeah, it doesn't have, yeah, that, you know, interspersed credits. But, mm-hmm. yeah, but just sort of narratively, I was like, oh, I like this ending. And I was like, I'd be happy to leave it here because it's, yeah, it just feels nice. Even though he died, it just feels complete. Um, but, yeah, that feel that does feel like thematically that's come full circle. yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But in the, in the same way, like we were talking about earlier, it doesn't feel like this was the path that you were always on. It doesn't feel like the story was leading to this conclusion. This is just a cl- conclusion that happens to tie off previous things in a vaguely satisfying way. Mm, yeah, yes, yeah. Yeah, because lots of the endings are just like, oh, right. <laughs> Just like okay, you just admit you don't kind of think about them because no. I mean, ultimately, I didn't care that much. No, <laughs> no, I, no, I think you're absolutely right. It's it's not something that you get really invested in. No, um, which I thought I I thought I sort of expected I might because the reaction um, that you know, the internet had made me think that that's what's supposed to happen. Um, but I did have a feeling that I might find it a bit hollow. Um, yeah. yeah, and I did. Um, but I think, you know, that doesn't take away from the fact that it's brought, you know, like we've said already, interactive fiction to a broader audience, which I think can only be a good thing. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think, yeah, it's cool 
it's not good. But yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that, that that's the best I can say about it, really. I which know, is, yeah. which is really damning with faint praise. Like I, I didn't dislike Bandersnatch. I enjoyed the experience. Yeah, it, it's in the aftermath, going back and looking at it and analyzing it, that you kind of it it becomes a little unsatisfying. You think, okay, there wasn't actually that much there. In the moment, it's really good. It's really fun to it's really fun to watch. It's really fun to play, uh, but it doesn't leave much of an impression in the end no no it doesn't sort of narratively or the characters or anything yeah um yeah i think that's all i've got to say on it really yeah i think um it's cool but not good is a great place (laughs) cool cool but not good they should put that on the poster (laughs) i don't know where you put a poster for a netflix interactive interactive experience but there probably (laughs) is one on the side of uh, that bus that's still got Philadelphia uh, yeah. on it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh dear. Was that you that posted that? Uh, Sorry, no, it wasn't. But I did. I, I think it I was. Think I saw you was it Mark? That. Was it Mark Drew? Perhaps. Yeah. So uh, w- one of our right, friends yes. on Twitter uh, posted a picture of a bus that had uh, a, a London bus that still had a poster for Philadelphia. You know, the the film from like the. 90s <laughs> on yeah, the side of this bus yeah so yeah. um so that's where they can put our poster yes. <laughs> says argue the toss yeah. cool <laughs> but not good <laughs> yeah. and on that note um are we doing our wrap-up thing i should say so yeah okay so uh, you can reach us on. We're doing. Uh, where are we these days? We're on Twitter at argue the, oh. yeah at argue the cast on Twitter, and then we are on iTunes and Spotify, and of course www.gameindustry.com slash podcasts. Is it slash podcasts? It might, it might be just find the podcasts link on the main page. Yeah, but, but we're yeah. definitely there. We are, yeah. We've always got a, a, we've always got one of our latest episode. Our last episode is always up on the front page, anyway. So you can click mm-hmm. on that, and then you'll find them all. Um, but yeah, come and say hello. Say hello to us on Twitter. Um, that's always nice. And give us a thumbs up um, in the place that you listen to us. That's also very cool. Um, and that's it, I think. It is. This was Bandersnatch. This is Argue the Toss. Until next time, Drew. Cheerio.